You're listening to Damage Boost, the best gaming podcast you've ever heard, as long as you've never heard another gaming podcast. On the show, I'll be talking to other players, streamers, artists, and creators about what makes gaming more than a hobby, but a beautiful art and an activity that brings together communities around the world. Let's jump into it. Finally happened. Banjo Kazooie is going to be in Smash, and today I have Sam with me to talk about it. How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing pretty good. So I, it sounds awkward and stalker like, but I watched your reaction to Banjo uh-huh. getting revealed, and of course you seemed pretty happy and excited. Uh, can you kind of just walk me through what that moment was like with you being such a big fan of the franchise? Yeah. So for one thing, I I never I. I for one thing, I always wanted it to happen, but I never actually expected it to happen. Because every time there'd be a direct, I'd make a joke. Like, if I ever did a reaction or I made a list of what I expected, every single time Banjo-Kazooie and Smash was on there. But when it actually happened, I was at E3 uh, with a bunch of friends. And it was, like, a weird, ex- like, different experience for me. And I was sick, and I was sitting there just, like... I was just a gasp. Like, literally, I think, in the reaction... My mouth was open, and I was like, "Is this, this is actually happening? It's actually <laughs> happening!" Um, and it it just blew my mind because I never thought it would like it would it would happen in my lifetime. What uh, on top of him being revealed? How much did it seeing him look so good and the move set making so much sense? When you after you the initial like, "This is amazing! It's happening!" Where you're like, mm-hmm. "Well, shit!" You know, I hope the moves aren't terrible, and I hope. You know, he looks good in the alternate costumes makes sense. Or was it yeah. all euphoria? Oh. oh, no, definitely. I think in the reaction, I had watched it back because I used a clip of it, of my own reaction, in a video I made talking about his moveset. And basically, it was, like, moment by moment, I was like, Oh, Jiggy, it's happening! Wait, Banjo! Wait, oh, oh it's 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 fake! And then he falls from the sky. I'm like, oh, no, wait, did he just attack with his, like, I thought he attacked with his wrench. Because in, you know, Nuts and Bolts, a design where they really flubbed Banjo. It was a good game, but bad Banjo game. They His design used a wrench. And I was like, oh, no, he's holding a wrench. No, no, wait, it's not a wrench, it's a Banjo. And then, like, they do the whole reveal where it's like, ta-da, it's rare and to go. And it looked oh, incredible. Oh, rare to go. I just yeah. thought that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I didn't catch it at first either because I, I was like so out of it. Um, but yeah, from that moment when it was, I thought it was a wrench, but it was actually the banjo. Like from then on, I was like, oh, it's happening. It's good. Oh, it's better. It's even better. Um, they did a fantastic job with the moveset. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I was definitely worried that they were going to like pull from Nuts and Bolts because, you know, it's a Microsoft property now. They uh, like when they started owning it, it went nowhere. And uh the only direction it went was downhill, so... Yeah, it's nice to see they actually did a good job with it. I mean, I think we're so used to being burned by companies at this point with loot boxes or surprise mechanics yeah. uh, in games that I was surprised to see the amount of care it seems like they put into, and, like, uh, cooperation Nintendo and Microsoft put into it, because don't they, they have, like, the original guy who wrote the music for them, don't they? And design... Yeah. Yeah, they brought in uh, Grant Kirkhope, the uh, original composer of a decent number of tracks. I don't think he was the only composer, but yeah, he composed like a lot of the main stuff, and he 
did a new composition for the Spiral Mountain theme. Um, I will say, yes, they did bring in a lot of love and care and all that, but because, you know, they're not part of the uh, Rare anymore, um, the original creator, uh, like, the original, like, um, I think, is it Chris Sutherland? Or, no. It's, there's, there's some names attached to it, and they were so totally surprised. They had no idea it was happening. Grant Kirkhope was one of the few that actually knew amongst the old crew because he was one of the only ones that was actually, like, attached to the project. Um, so, yeah, they put in a lot of love, but it's not as if they, like, brought in, like, all the original designers to get this sort of thing, which, if anything, makes it more surprising that they nailed the design after all these years. Were those people happy with it, though, or was it something where oh, they were... Oh, yeah, they were, they they were, were so okay. happy. That's good. I, it, all all the, the energy around it felt super positive. Yeah. And for someone like me who didn't play it when it really when it first came out and only recently started playing it um, after doing a few episodes of Damage Boost with you, mm-hmm. like, I felt the love even even though I wasn't even in that pool or in that investment like you guys were. So it, it was just one of those few times, and I think really at this point only Nintendo, uh, or at least something Nintendo has their hands on, is giving people that in gaming right now, at least for me, and I'm glad... I'm just glad we could have something nice and that wasn't yeah. EA doing surprise <laughs> mechanics. Yeah, there's a lot of not nice stuff going on these days, so I do appreciate just good, wholesome niceness, and that's what radiated out from the screen when I saw that. I will say, Nintendo isn't perfect. No one's perfect. No. But, um, you know, in general, Smash has done a real good job. Um, there are some elements to it that I feel like they could be better, like the, the online ranked modes, all that stuff. Like, there's Anything with their online, really. Yeah. There's a lot they could improve on, but, like, yeah, when it comes to Smash and just, like, character designs and reveals, I feel like they've all done really well. Piranha Plant came out of nowhere. I didn't expect it, but it was, like, it was every single one so far. It was good. Even the hero. I have, I've like, I'm like you with Banjo and that I have no attachment to the hero. But, like, when I read online, it was like, oh, yeah, no, people loved it. Which, it sort of sucks it was upstaged, but, like, they actually put in a lot of effort. And there's, like, every type of hero, because, like, all of his alternate costumes is different variations of the hero from Dragon Quest, I believe. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so it's like, you know, whoever you are, they're putting out a, a lot of love out there, which is why it's like, whoever we get next, I, I like... Congrats to whatever fan base is going to be, hopefully, not like Fire Emblem again, because we've had too many of those, but the next fan base is going to be very happy. Um, And yeah, they've they've put in a lot of effort. Um, I will say their moveset is actually, it's not one-to-one, but it's almost one-to-one compared to their original Banjo-Kazooie moves, which is very nice to see. Um, I'm just going to take us just a slight little detour away from Banjo-Kazooie in a a way. There's two slots left, um, yeah. and I'm not going to tell you to say <laughs> which ones you think it will be uh-huh. um, because, you know, that's much different than who you would want it to be. Uh, I'll let you we'll, – we'll do this draft style. You go sure. one, I'll go one, and we'll go like that. Who are the ones you want to see? Who do I want to see? Yes. Oh, boy. Um, you don't have to worry about realism, like – yeah. <laughs> who owns what? If it could actually happen, just who you want, like in your heart. That's, I mean, you got the your number one sweetie and yeah, Zooey. So I, I mean, I feel like I'm gonna get flack for this, but Minecraft Steve. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
that was going to be my first one too. Yeah. actually. Well, because like, well, if we're talking realism, it could very much happen. But also, like, it could be interesting. Like, he has a bow for you know a range attack. He'd basically be like Lincoln away, a bow, sword, shield, um, TNT explosion. Maybe he's like tosses a creeper. Who knows? Just like the point is, we would get a Minecraft music um, remix, right? Right. Um, for his theme and some kind of Minecraft stage, and I think that would look really cool. Also, people get angry, and that'd make me laugh. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, what about you? If not Minecraft, Steve. Um, well, I will just add on to why I think Steve deserves it. Um, kind of the cultural impact of Minecraft. Um, yeah. Uh, th- I was learning about uh, places uh, where towns are re- really poorly designed, and there's a language barrier between the engineers that are coming in. And mm-hmm. the people who live in the towns, because people can come in, you know, with all the knowledge of engineering they want, but they don't necessarily know how the people function within the town. And they've used forms of Minecraft to have the villagers build what they think will work, and that helps engineers uh, do what's like makes sense for the people and engineering wise to yeah. kind of bridge that. And like stuff like that's fucking magical. So yeah. that's kind of another reason I would like to see Steve uh, in there as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's. Outside of just, you know, that gaming sort of element, they've used Minecraft in classrooms as a teaching tool because it's redstone is essentially simple electronics with, you know, all the logic gates you can do. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, it's a very, you know, accessible digital world that you can get in and like sort of interact with that you can't necessarily do in a classroom normally. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of ways it's affected society as a whole. It's true. I, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it has a lot of value in terms of like being added, but then again, it's Smash Bros. I mean like Sakurai just, he's going to add whatever he wants. Um, yeah. well he, he said though, he didn't get to pick, uh, these ones, right? These were, oh yeah, Nintendo. I, I don't know, which even still, I guess that's even more surprising then. Cause if it, it wasn't Sakurai, who pushed to make Banjo-Kazooie so good? Like someone I, had to. Yeah, like, I... I actually would be super curious to know, like, I hope there's a documentary almost on the journey of Banjo's that we just smashed, because I think that'd be interesting as hell. Yeah. Um, if I could uh, suggest another new fighter, mm-hmm. um, I think there was a rumor about it, but, like, honestly, Cuphead could be really cool. I think um, that would be amazing. He's getting his own show. Yeah, a Netflix adaptation, which, I mean, we'll say, if it's a Netflix adaptation, yeah, that's not necessarily a good thing these yeah. days. I, I powered through Death Note. Holy fuck, was that bad? Yeah. Um, I, I've watched more videos complaining about Death Note than actually watching Death Note, the Netflix adaptation. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, the point is, Cuphead, you know, it, it's already a 2D game. Uh, it's already, a, like, a shooter. To be fair, he has a lot of ranged attacks, which would feel weird as is in uh, Smash. But, like, I think it would be such a crazy cool style. It's, like, essentially... Um, uh, like Game, Mr. Game and Watch, how he is 2D, having mm-hmm. a 2D Cuphead, like that, like Clash of Art style, and like it would be beautiful. Yeah, it, it would lend itself well. And also, I feel like the the key thing here is always remember that means you'd get Cuphead music in Smash Bros, and that'd be really cool. Um, which if something else, I'm just super excited to have Banjo Kazooie and Smash. Also, a Banjo Kazooie amiibo. Also, that means we could have a if it happened a Cuphead amiibo. Like oh, I'm gonna get a banjo kazooie. I, I I can't get all the amiibo because they're expensive, and I'm I'm a teacher for yeah. my day job, so I can't afford things. But I'm gonna buy the banjo kazooie one when it's when it's announced. That will be one. That, I've never pre-ordered one, but I think I'm gonna pre-order it. My kids, yeah, that's, thanks that's to fair. you, have been 
hardcore banjo kazooie uh, yes. since they want the their favorite videos of yours now are watching the banjo kazooie ones get one of us finally i've converted more <laughs> to the cuz but yeah. yeah when it comes to banjo kazooie stuff I, I i have some plushes that i need to start collecting from way back when but i am slowly amassing a, a shrine to banjo and it's it's gonna be glorious. You need to feature it in the background of one of your videos. Just not don't don't acknowledge it. Just have a a, a ridiculous like yeah. shrine like people have to their high school sweethearts, but in it's your like, closet in the background. What up? It's your boy here in my basement with my banjo shrine. <laughs> um, don't don't think about it too much. But yeah. Um, in terms of other fighters, I can't really come up with any. Um, I, I like obviously Doom Guy was was thought to be a possibility. Um, yeah, um, but I will, I will counter that. I think I, I, I get why he would be one, and they are on Nintendo. Like Doom has been with Doom 64, and they also have released it on the Switch. Yeah. But if we're going to go with a guy of that style and even really that look, I don't know if it would ever work, but me personally, my, my non-Steve pick would be uh, Master Chief. Yeah. Uh, I I've hide this about myself when I talk in gaming communities, gaming podcasts with you know guys that I, like you and uh, Char that I've interviewed from Minus World. I'm sure. a bit of a bro. Grew up a little bit of a bro. I played football. Yeah, uh, man. I like shooters. Uh, <laughs> Got some that being said, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, no, I get you. <laughs> I, I, I played I like... a bunch of Halo way back when. Yeah, and it was beautiful and. Uh, this uh, Halo Two with the Arbiter, that whole storyline of him being cast aside, you know, being branded because he went against his religion, like that shit was kind of deep, uh, you know, a little bit ahead of its time. Or actually, I think it was almost paralleling like the issues with that U.S. was having with other countries. I don't. I, I feel like there was some probably political. Yeah, there's probably a, a much it. deeper sort of um, thread along there. But yeah, Halo. Uh, is similar in terms of I'd say World of Warcraft in that you know they're they're great games but also when you go into the lore um, there there are actual books that you could read about that stuff and it's like it's a great time. Wait, um, I I didn't know that about World of Warcraft. Oh yeah, oh no, they have tons of of books. Um, I think I, I I don't know off the top of my head. I haven't really got into them myself, but from what I've heard, they're yeah they're, they're they get pretty deep in they'd be pretty riveting sagas uh, because, you know, like, they made, like, when it comes to Halo, WoW, the games like that, they made a great world, but, like, what you see is only, like, the very surface level. Um, and there's a lot more there, which is really cool. And I I, I agree with that. Um, what I'd also, and sorry, I'm going to start over. Give me a second. In terms of uh, books and lore for games mm-hmm. like that, um, and it gets a weird rap, and I, I don't understand why the Gears of War universe, like with the books and stuff, is interesting as hell. Like yeah. how humans have been brought to the brink of uh, destruction or uh, extinction, and like having breeding farms just to keep the population up to have uh, enough soldiers. It's it's fucked up, but it's you know, it's super interesting to read about. Yeah, I I will say I think I understand why it's sort of pushed by the wayside. I think it's because it's at, at surface level as someone who's never really gotten into Gears of War. I've played a little bit of it. I know you know that it's actually deeper than it is, but at at, at surface level, it looks like big muscle man use chainsaw to kill kill like a demon thing. I don't even know the demon aliens, whatever. The point is, on the surface level, it looks very cheesy. 
Okay. Uh, which I, I know it's not, um, <laughs> but that's what right. it looks like. But I will say with the most recent uh, upcoming uh, Gears of War, which is it just called Gears of War or is it five? It's going to be five. Gears of War five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one looks akin to um, God of War, how God of War going into the most recent one it felt like a big tonal shift, even though it wasn't necessarily, but it looks like such a different quality. If you know what I mean? Like it gears uh, or God of War with, you know, it's most recent game actually made Kratos look like a like a, a character that I can actually understand and sympathize with and get behind. Right. Um, and I feel like God of War 5 is something similar. But, yeah, there's a lot of games like that where, you know, there's a lot below the surface. Um, the problem here is with this discussion, I don't think they're necessarily even considering any of that when it comes to right. Smash. Yeah, I know. I know that, that he's... Uh, the Gears 1 has got on because I like the lore. And I know, I think... Master Chief, maybe not this time around, but if they do mm-hmm. another one, would have a legit shot because I feel like Microsoft's getting real smart and realizing if you want the fans to be on your side, they're on Nintendo side more than other companies when it comes to stuff. Yeah. So if they keep sliding in to those DMs, for lack of a better <laughs> phrase, with Nintendo, I could see it, that one happening. Well, Definitely. I just I wanted to fear, defend Gears real quick. I have to go. I'm sorry. I, I'm a huge fan of the franchise. Uh, I don't remember why they're all muscly and weird, but they did that yeah. for a reason. I think it has to do with some like genetic stuff they were doing because they're fighting locusts because it doesn't place t- doesn't take place on Earth. Yeah, uh, humans colonize another planet, and the pollution actually causes the locusts to form, and so like they're being basically destroyed by their own creation in a way. But they were one of the first games, and the guy who created the first three—I don't think he's involved with them anymore—fought to have the women be proportional and not like dead or alive designs. Sure. If you look that their armor makes sense, they're not, they don't have, they're, you know, they're not wearing a bikini to fight in like every other game that has female characters in it. So yeah. they're, they were super progressive for the time. And that was way, that was back early two thousands. I think when they, when that was a thing, but uh, so I'm going to go back to my last character and sure. I have a tie and I don't think either one of them would work. For Smash Brothers, but in terms of importance, I would like to see them represented. Mm-hmm. Uh, Commander Shepard from the Mass Effect series. Sure. And uh, for me personally, uh, Gordon Freeman from Half-Life and Half-Life mm. 2. Absolutely fucking... All, both those game series, love them. And those are my two that I would like to see represented. Yeah, I think either would be cool. I can't... I'm not going to lie and say... <laughs> I have any attachment to those, but I could see why you'd want them in. Um, For me, Shepard more than Gordon. I love the Half-Life games, but, like, you know, he's a silent guy you don't really see and all that. Yeah. But, no, definitely. And, and plus, when when you're pulling from their original games, there's a lot of cool moves you could come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. I, I, I guess the only thing, other, other thing that comes to mind, if I could just say, is Sans. Sans and a tail. Come on. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's possible we can get. Uh, I don't know. It, like it's it could be weird, but like I think Sans would be a great one because. Would it be weird to have him be able to like move and fight like that? You know, it's so different from. Um. What yeah. their game is, but I guess you know, uh, so many of the characters that are in Smash, you know, it's completely different for them too. So I guess that's not necessarily out of it. 
Yeah, well, th- there's a lot of weird things they've done to make them fit their original character. Like Game & Watch, he's very static. They've I actually watched a whole video talking about his animation. But they did a lot of stuff just to make sure that he both has, you know, wind-up frames and, and, like, you know, the actual frames where the attacks hit and all that stuff while also looking very choppy and 2D. And at the same time, you have Ryu and Ken where they always face the opponent, so... Which is um, fucking just amazing touch. Yeah, it actually makes some really weird stuff, and you can't cheese them in certain ways. But yeah, it, it, it's they are willing to bend the rules a little bit to make the characters fit. So like with Sans, like I think if they turned him into 3D, that'd be fine. But they could also keep him 2D, have him always like have his hands in his pockets, and then he's gonna, like, and just like uses attacks like at random. <laughs> uh, I, I think a lot of it could work. Um, but 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 those are all those are all like <sighs> that could happen. Pipe dreams. But you know what's you know what's gonna happen? Banjo's gonna happen. Yeah, and that's you know I don't think it's gonna get better than that. I don't think I almost kind of wish they would have saved him for last because I don't no, think you get bigger than that. Let's not let's not delay him. I mean, like, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, let's get him out. He should have been first. Um, no, I think it's very possible to have an even better DLC because we still have two left after what we know, right? But who who's who would be bigger? Yeah, we have, do have two left, but who who really could be more? Not even not a sort of bigger, but who could like have people care as much as Banjo Kazooie had people? Care? I mean, I like Banjo. But I'm not gonna act like he's not like he is not bigger than Steve, and he's not bigger than Sans. Either one. I mean, both. Like, if if you're if they're going for like a bigger and bigger sort of thing to keep interest with the game, either one. Um, or actually, number of what we've talked about, like with uh, Master Chief, Doom Guy, like they would drum up a lot of excitement. And I think if nothing else, they're trying to, they're trying to like sort of pull in and as many different fans as possible to the game, because you know they want everyone to play it. So yes, and everyone yeah, does. Th- the fucking numbers for that game are insane. Yeah, so I think whoever is going to end up being in the final two slots um, is probably going to be someone along those lines that sort of appeals to uh, different audiences. So I don't. I think it's possible i hope they don't but i don't i don't think it's likely that they're gonna have like another fire emblem or another mario character or something like that where it's like more of the same i feel like we're going to have two more wild cards because the, the, the like the hero it's still like and is it nintendo no dragon quest is As it's nintendo e yeah whoever it's gonna be is, is gonna be just two more random characters that no one expects but they're probably gonna be cool um it's possible they could mess him up, but I don't think it's likely at this point. No, I didn't. But I guess I'm kind of convinced or realizing I'm wrong because I did not know shit about Joker uh, until Chari Five was streaming that. Yeah. And I I I don't think I could ever play that game because there's just too much, and I don't have that kind of time. But yeah. I can see the like why people love that game and that character. It's super fucking interesting. The music's super fucking cool. Yeah. Um, I, he I had don't... a pretty big reception. Not he didn't get the banjo, the banjo level, but his, his uh, reception was pretty, pretty big. Yeah, I will say, uh, he Joker is far less superior than the main character from uh, Persona Four. I think it's four. Um, because Persona 5, I just thought it was really garbage. I didn't beat it. I played through a good deal of it, but that's, that's some beef. That's some Wagyu beef. I don't want to start. <laughs> I say, I know zero about the games that aren't five. And I bar- I only know what I know about five because I watched 
Chari 5 streams, and there's just a lot of, like, there's some scene where they call a, a bang maid service, and it turns out to be his teacher, and, like, it's just yeah. weird stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, like, to be fair, it's it's a deeper thing, because, yeah, it's a weird service, but they had some... Yeah, it's it's a thing. Uh, the, the whole se- I will a deeper say it, if, service, Sam. Really? No, 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 no. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you go for okay, a pun there? I'm not. I'm not going to leave that conversation there. I will, the point is, with the character is like, his teacher is being forced to like take a part time job because her you know main job sucks and his school sucks and the te- like the principal sucks and it's like well we're all just trying to get by. He's a delinquent. She's you know in this like less good sociable sort of position in life and it's like well stuff sucks you got to open up your heart and shoot bang bang with your uh gun soul persona thing that's basically my uh (laughs) that's how i'm trying to describe that situation i swear it's not just surface level ah we ordered a maid well Um, i i I, I know i i watched enough of the game to know that was deeper than that it's just out of context that was hilarious and yeah. also, as a teacher who has to have two other jobs to support uh, himself, I completely get where she's coming from. Yeah. Uh, those services won't hire people that look like me, though, just for the <laughs> record. Yeah. So do you want to uh, stay more on him and Smash and how he'll play, or do you want to move on to talk about uh, his games? Well, I will say, I mean, there's not a lot to say with how he'll play, because what we've seen is what we're going to get. I, mm-hmm. Like, we're not, there's not much left to be known. Um... How do you think like, his level will play? I already know. Like, they already uh, actually, there was a article on the Japanese Nintendo website. Oh. Uh, you know how like they have various regions uh, versions for e- their websites. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Japanese version, they posted extra pictures and uh, extra descriptions. Um, his level is essentially is essentially just like a simple platform, um, but it rotates, so you see every angle of Spiral Mountain. That's um, really cool. So you could barely see it in the trailer, but it looks really awkward when they were zooming the camera around. But yeah, it's essentially like it rotates underneath you almost as if you're, my mind jumps to like, if you're like on the plate in a microwave, <laughs> you're just rotating around. Uh, or like Lazy Susan. Sees. And yeah, so throughout the level, you could see various parts of the Spiral Mountain. I'm assuming it's going to be something like maybe bottles will appear when sort of Banjo's house is behind and maybe... I don't know if they're going to go through stuff like this, but, like, Grunty might show up, and uh, they obviously showed that she exists by, like, having her swoop through during the trailer. She might be a stage hazard. She might come through and try to toss spells or even curse, or there might be Jinjos uh, that are separate from Banjo. I don't know. But the point is, from what we've seen, you know, the stage itself is just going to be, you know, cool eye candy. Um, when it comes to his moveset... Um, we've seen, I think, everything. I am not well-versed enough in Smash to, like, know, oh, that's his forward air, that's his back air. But, um, we've seen basically all of his movement options. You know, running, sprinting, all that. Um, but yeah, like, I, I, I'm not sure what... Uh, yeah. Well, um, this might be me being ignorant, um, but do you know if they'll add assist trophies or uh, items from his game because I feel like you could add some really yeah. interesting either items or for from what I've played from the first one I think some good uh, car- or assist trophies from that yeah I'm thinking with with Persona Man Joker I don't know if they added any assist trophies so I don't know if, they, if that's something they do because I'm pretty sure they just add the character 
um, the uh, um, character, I think some music, more than one music, uh, and then um, stage, and I think that's it. But I don't know if they're going to add assist trophies for Banjo, but if they did, yeah, there's a lot of options. Um, like, for example, you could convert any of his transformations into an assist trophy. Like, for example, having a T-Rex Banjo-Kazooie, like, sprint through the stage and just, like, smash everyone around, or having assist trophy that summons a bunch of Zubbas, which are the... Um, the hornets, um, and just having them attack people, like, or, or even just, like, having, uh, some of, like, the carrots from Spiral Mountain appear, like, stuff like that. There's a lot of options, uh, what, if you wanted to make assist trophies, but I don't know if they're gonna do that. What do you think about, uh, what they showed of his final smash? Satisfying, kind of basic? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, exciting. no, it, it's, it's really good. Uh, that moment in the original game was actually, when you go back to it, pretty lame, because there's not a lot they could do with N64 in terms of camera angles and all these effects. So it's pretty basic. Uh, so when it, when, it, when it came together of, to have, like, the Gingonator <laughs> appear and just... That's his final smash? I'm super happy with that. Um, and, yeah, obviously they, they, they did the whole thing where in the trailer, King K. Rule was in the place of Grunty, so the Gingos knocked him off and he formed, like, a hole in the ground and all that. Like, that's all a callback to the original ending of Banjo-Kazooie. Um, so it was, it was also on top of just looking cool. It was a lot of nice symbolism there or not symbolism, but, uh, a nice callback. Um, so yeah, that's real nice to see. Um, I guess with this moveset, the only other thing I can bring up is like they changed how the wonder wing works. Cause in the original game, the wonder wing is just like a, it's like activating a, um, a cloaking uh, spell. Cause like, or, or not cloaking spell. It's li- literally just you while holding it, you are invincible. And you can just run around. But like in Smash, it seems like it's a dash attack that is also invincible. So it's it changes up, and I think it might be a, some sort of resource mechanic where you have to like recollect golden feathers, or maybe you can only ever use five in a match, something like that. So they definitely have some weird mechanic going on there. Makes sense, and uh, I have to go back. I don't necessarily remember that the move from the game, but I do. I remember what you're talking about from the uh, clips we've seen of his gameplay in yeah. Smash. Yeah, the Wonder Wing. It was um, you learn in Clanker's Cavern. Fun fact, and uh, it's only ever f- like forcibly used like once because you're supposed to use it to get through some attacks. Um, but yeah, its, it's only benefit is that it makes Banjo and Kazooie invincible. Um, but otherwise, it was a pretty bog-standard sort of move because it, it was it required you to have Golden Feathers. It didn't give any other movement options, and it was pretty pretty basic. Uh, but yeah, they, they changed it up to be a dash. And also, I guess I'll also say uh, their um, jump. I think it's their like up special. Their up B seems to be the... I'm trying to remember, the shock spring pad, which it seems like it's working the same, but, like, the animation is all different. That was the whole thing I noticed is, like, technically, they had to shorten the animation. So that means that you don't actually have the animation of Kazoo jumping up and her legs extending out really freakishly. Uh, Instead, they just sort of fling up, which is actually the animation for the flight pad. So I don't know if that was a mistake or just a thing where, like, they had to make sort of some concessions to fit the smash sort of speed that you need. Yeah, I'm going to assume it's concession because it's just got to be a pain in the ass to make, you know, 70-plus characters all function within the same realm of, you know, strength and speed and ability to make it any kind of balanced. 
Uh, yeah. So I want to go ahead and shift it to the uh, two original games. Uh, sure. I was playing through Banjo-Kazooie, and my kids wanted to try it. So I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. get you a save file. And we're playing, and they went and talked to the guy at the beginning who gives you like your little player tutorial. Mm-hmm. And my two youngest, who, who were the two playing at the time, they just started to learn to read, so that they were taking. They're like, you know, what's this? And I'm like, I was trying to do work for my business on the side. I'm like, just skip him. Um, I'll tell you any moves you need to know. Mm-hmm. So they skipped him, and we couldn't figure out how to do something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but we couldn't advance because we couldn't figure out how to do something. I'm like, we'll just go back and talk to him, and I'll read it for you and teach him. Yeah. And he basically just tells you to fuck off because you <laughs> you didn't. I was like, God damn it. I had to go back and start the game over again for them so we could figure it out because he wouldn't help me. He was pissed. I told him no. Yeah. Well, I mean, in all fairness, when you watch all the cutscenes and, and the interactions, um, Kazooie is a real... Uh, well, she's a real Briegel to Bottles, and um, Bottles doesn't like it, but he can't do much. So he actually, he sasses back a lot. So that's sort of what you experienced. No, that, that was one of those, like, <clears throat> that was quick. One of the, you know, three minutes of the game, like, holy shit, I love this, even though, like, they're being pricks. <laughs> they punished me for trying to skip the, the basic tutorial that a lot of those platformers have. And uh, yeah. that, that was really charming to me. And I it, it seems super ahead of its time for that kind of humor. I'm not sure if it was necessarily ahead of time, but, like, I think it was just There's not a result lot of, of happening. A, yeah, it was a result of a lot of people ca- actually caring. They actually gave a shit about the game they're making. Um, because there's a lot of little moments like that. So th- a few that come to mind um, later on. Well, actually, spoiler. At the very end of the game, when you beat Grantelda, like at the very end, uh, she dies and she's like, oh, um, she always rhymes. I'm trying to remember the rhyme. Um, oh, I'll hate you someday, Kazooie. I'll be back in Banjo-Tooie. Like she calls out a That's sequel awesome. <laughs> literally in the dialogue. Um, there's also moments, in, you know, on Tooie where, you know, they, they break the fourth wall and it's like very charming how like, oh, like they walk in to... Uh, not the final boss fight, but like one, like nearing that, and like, oh, something's happening. The music changed because like <laughs> some spooky music starts. Um, but also like little things that are outside of that, like they implemented in both games actually a way to cheat if you want. There's Cheeto in the second game. In the first game, there's the uh, the sandcastle in the third level, uh, or so, sorry, second level, Treasure Trove Cove. In the sandcastle, you could input um, letters, so you could spell out. Um, I think it's like cheat and then something something open the door blah blah. It's it's like thirty letters and then that that you can input all that and it'll let you um, open up the next you know the next world without having to actually have the jiggies or unlock a a move without needing to find bottles first like stuff like that actual cheats. It takes forever and you could easily mess it up. But like when you input cheat and then there'll be a cow noise because why not? <laughs> Yeah. Um, and after all these cheats, if you do a bunch of them on all, all in the same um, at the same time, Grantilda will show up and be like, "Oh, you're cheating! Why are you doing this?" But she's being very snarky while also rhyming, and she'll threaten to, to delete your uh, save file. And then if you do it again, um, if you're doing this on the original version and not the X- Xbox Live Arcade or Xbox One version, she'll actually delete your save file. So, <laughs> I yeah, yeah. That's kind of not necessarily pre-internet, but like pre information moving as fast as it does now how many people like lost their shit and maybe thought it was a 
an, an issue with the game or something. Yeah, because when it comes to Nintendo, like, not, I think it was, I mean, it was sometime after, but you had Animal Crossing, how Rossetti would threaten to delete your save, and he didn't do it, but no, Grantilda, she's going to get right on that. It doesn't, the functionality doesn't work in the later versions, I think, either on purpose or because it's hard to do that with, like, Xbox Live, or Xbox Xbox Live Arcade version and the Rare Replay. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of little moments like that. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Um... But, yeah, they, they packed a lot of little... We, d- we discussed earlier, like, sort of the lore. Yeah. Uh, and surprisingly, there's a lot of... Not necessarily lore, but a lot of character stuff. Like, for example, the second to last thing you do in the game is... Or most likely, is beat Grantilda's Furnace Fun, which is a board game. And it's it forces you to replay... Or, or, or not replay, but think about the game. Every sound you've heard, every voice, every tune, every picture location character all that like um you're supposed to know all these things while also doing mini games and it's a really fun time but it's like really challenging and it forces you to sort of think about stuff and like remember things which is something you're not really you're not usually like oh what was that character you met back in world two yeah. uh that usually doesn't happen but also um there's these squares or these grand total squares where the information is actually random there's like a lot of uh various uh, seeds you could have, like various um, versions uh, and combinations. So the actual information is non-canon, it changes, but it'd be like, oh, what was what is uh, Gruntilda's favorite toothpaste? And it's like, oh, it's it's soap scum, or I just made that up. But the point is, it's like really gross stuff, but like there's stuff about her going to college and, and her, she was voted most likely to like be a disgusting hag and stuff like that. Um, so you're forced to like experience all these sort of little tidbits and it's like that's so much characterization that you don't get and it's like it's just a dumb kids game like they put a lot of effort into this thing it's Um, a really clever way of kind of giving you exposition too like yeah yeah it doesn't feel like um i love and i'm not gonna spoil well wait have you seen the new spider-man movie yeah okay so spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen uh, Far From Home. Yeah. When they're in the bar um, and Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio gives the whole like massive exposition dump about mm-hmm. like why they're all doing this and why they can all make it work. That was the one part of the movie I'm like, eh, this feels really awkward and like not organic. Yeah. Uh, you know, so like, yes, I get like why all these guys were bad, but like, the way you explained it felt like just super, we got to write this shit in. And, like, with that game, you're saying, like, uh, like especially the question about what she voted, like, in high school. Like, just little stuff like that to kind of build the characters up. That's so clever. You're not – it's yeah. it's part of the game. It's not a dump of information just so you have lore. It's it's ingrained into the DNA of what you're doing, which yeah, I think I is really say, well done. I will say two clarifying things. I want to reiterate – the questions, the answers would change every time you replay the game. Like every new file has its own variation. So technically the information isn't true because there could be three different options for what her cat or her pet's name was, um, which is, you know, the the pet name comes up. But the point is all, even though the information isn't necessarily true, it's all really funny and accurate to what you might imagine Grantilda to be. But also you learn this information by talking to Brentilda, the friendly witch who is essentially her, uh, she's, she's Grantella's sister, I believe, and she's basically just shit-talking Grantella, like, oh, girl, did you hear about what she did in <laughs> high school? And it's like, 
one, why are you telling me this? I appreciate it, but why? And then later on, oh, all that sass and all that uh, that that dirt that I got from Brentilda, yeah, that was like super helpful for this uh, for this board game. So yeah, it's 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 technically in the situation, it's not canon, so. I don't know if it could be accurately described as being um, characterization, but it's a lot of great moments and, and writing. And also, amongst all that, they also have questions about characters, and they tease characters that don't appear until Banjo-Tooie, like mentioning Humba Wumba, the, uh, the, the the witch. Or not witch. Um, she's technically a shaman. Uh, but the point is, like, she's a character that doesn't appear until Tui. She's mentioned in that. She, uh, I think Conker, uh, you know, the squirrel, is yeah. also mentioned. Um, and I think Jam Jars, Bottles, uh, I think he's a brother or a cousin. Either way, I think, uh, he is into, and he is the one who gives you the moves. All these things, uh, these little references, it it just, they packed a lot into that game. Um, but I think, I think that's part of why I like it. Part of why I still like it. Um, because it's like, what game does that these days? Like, Mario games are great, but, like, they don't... There's not all this characterization. There's not, like, a, a big story they're making. It's pretty bog-standard. Like, you could finish... You could, you could understand the whole, like, thing of Super Mario 3D World in, like, a single paragraph on a wiki page, right? Right. It feels almost like apples and oranges with that. Like, I don't think Mario yeah. ever really wants to tell too much of a story. I think they want to get you in, get you playing, <clears throat> let you get out. I think uh, Banjo-Kazooie... They weren't, like, they're not trying to tell you a grand, you know, they're not trying to tell you an epic tale or anything, but they're, they're giving you more, and they're, they're keeping you in the world. They're not, they're, they're, they're feeding it to you slowly, and it's kind of building to a big meal, and you're mm-hmm. feel satisfied when you're done. Mario is more like, jump in, almost more like a buffet, you know, you get in there, you get what you want, you sit down, you finish it, you leave. I, I suppose so. I, okay, it's, I, I... <laughs> I guess I'm trying to find a way to go back to the point of, I don't like Super Mario 64, and no, neither should you. Uh, <laughs> we we had that debate, uh, I believe, yeah. on your, the uh, interview one that I did with you. And, uh, it's still true. I will say, though, that discussion comes up a lot when you're talking about the speedrun, because the two are compared a lot when it comes to, in general, but also their speedruns. Why, um, why are their speedruns uh, compared? Uh, can you elaborate a little more on that? They came out around the same time, and they're both platformers. And they both have worlds, and they both have collectibles. There's a lot of similarities baseline. Obviously, you know, Banjo cares about a story and actually tries, and uh, Super Mario 64 is more about being a tech demo for a 3D game. I mean, like... Man, you're throwing (laughs) some serious shade. I mean, what else is it? It's like, come on, They, they, they made it? Do you have to respect the the trailblazers, man? Even if they didn't do it perfectly, you gotta respect what they did. Yeah, I they can made... still respect them and call them. <laughs> That's not true. I was gonna say I can just respect them and call them trash, but no. Um, their speedruns. When you actually look at it these days, um, Super Mario 64 I think has been broken up in way more, um, because it has so many more people playing it comparatively, and I think people have been more hardcore about Mario 64 for longer. Um, you, you might have heard the memes or even seen the video itself, but, like, parallel universes is a, th- is a thing with Mario. And uh, sort of, like, building up speed for 12 hours just to be able to skip a jump and stuff like that. It's, like, 
there's a lot of weird science going on with that game, and it's coded very. No, I'm not. I can't. I'm, I can't say poorly because it's not accurate, but coded oddly. Um, and you can do a lot of weird stuff. I would like, call it can, charming. It's coded with charm. Okay, I mean, like, sure, I guess. <laughs> uh, no, I just I'm saying like in the sense that uh, you could. If you like spawn stuff off screen, you could do a weird thing and then duplicate, you know, a scuttlebug into a coin and then take that coin and have it turn into a zombie Mario and this and that and other and it's a lot of weird stuff you could do, uh, and all of that lends itself well to the speedrun. So what you get at this point is like it barely resembles a platformer because like you still jump and stuff, but like in the any percent run, it's like done in like five minutes or not. I don't know if it's five minutes. I think it's like seven. The point is, like, it's done really quickly because you could just back... You could back hop through time, essentially. Um, but when it comes to Banjo, it doesn't really have that these days. It has some clips and it has, like, stuff you could, like, sort of do, but it's still, when it comes down to it, a purely platforming, movement-based game. And I think it's really cool. You don't think, though, like... In terms of the longevity of Mario 64, that those weird things have added to its, its surviving as long as it has and becoming like uh, iconic with when it comes to streams and speedruns and stuff like that. Those, yeah, that no, those I'm, mistakes, I'm, like, that, as I said, it was programmed with charm. I think that sure. adds to the charm and why it's been able to survive. I feel like it was coded with the same love of Tony Stark in a cave with a box of scraps. Cause it's like when you, when you really peel back the layers, it looks like it's made with paper mache um, in terms of what you could do with it. Cause you could, I think I feel like literally anywhere in the game, you could break it apart. Okay. Um, so I'm about to bust your argument wide open here. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. They were almost released two years separately. So they weren't around the same time. Mario, that's pretty close, uh, though, but sure. That's, that's two years. That's a big difference. And I think... I don't think that Banjo-Kazooie would have been any worse if Mario 64 didn't exist. But sure. I think it, it still probably had influence. And I bet if... I bet there's some interview or something out there, or uh, article where the people who made it maybe probably gave credit to Mario 64 in some way for inspiration. But I yeah, I I mean, I'm not I mean, it's it's mainly just memes. I don't actually mind Super Mario 64. <laughs> right. When given the option, I I have one that I'll play and it's Banjo comparatively cuz I just don't find playing Super Mario 64 that fun. I do recognize that it was great for its time and did a lot of good stuff first, but uh I think the actual replayability um comes from Banjo's charm. Like, actual... I mean, I'm not trying to be like, yes, yeah, code the charm, but, like, the actual charm, like, every character, they have their little quirks, their little things. It's like... All these... Also, a big thing is, um, you don't actually have, really, NPCs in Super Mario 64. Technically, there are. Toad. Not, That's about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, but, like, in the worlds, like, everyone is either an enemy, and if they're not an enemy... They're just like, hi, I exist, do something. And then they give you, like, a, a star. But when it comes to Banjo, like, when you get to, you know, uh, I always want to say TikTok Clock. That's not right. <laughs> Whenever you get to Click Clock Woods, you meet Naughty, the beaver. 
And Nadi is stuck outside of his home, and you have to break open his home. But you can only do this across the four seasons, because that's how the mechanic works. And once you do, he gets he's super happy, and he gives you a jiggy. And then there's, like, also in the same level, there's um, Nabnut, I believe, the squirrel. And he's like, oh, I, I need to collect food, but I'm too lazy. So you have to do it for him. And then, like, when you move forward in the seasons, he's so fat, he, he can't move. So he just sleeps in his room. And it's like, it's so dumb. And these characters are, are, are so silly. But, like, like it's not moment to moment that crazy. But, like, like you don't have any of that in, in, in Super Mario 64. It's like, these little story threads with these characters, these little... Plot lines like I know a bit more about each character. Like, um, it's it's nice. It's like I like having my games be filled with characters that have personality or, or like story. I I keep going back to it. But I think for Mario sixty four to defend it, it's the charm of the game. Like uh, they Miyamoto said, you want to you want you to feel good when you're playing it when you're just moving around and looking at stuff. And yeah. you do, like, uh, not as much now, obviously, because you can feel the clunkiness. But, like, I remember back then, I play. I didn't even go into painting for, like, the first two hours. I was just running around doing shit. And I think, and then I, once you know, once went on to the paintings, the, the levels were the, the characters for, to be lazy and use that, that phrase yeah. or reasoning. I I think they're, they're, they're just, that's why I'm saying that. I think apples, apples and oranges. I Wish I would have played Banjo back then, because playing it now, I'm like, holy crap, I would have spent so much time back then playing this, because this is amazing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, they can, I mean, they can yeah, be I, brothers. I, I, they can be brothers. Yeah, I'm not trying to be like, only one can survive, eat right. the child. Like, it's it's fine. Like, <laughs> even if I prefer one more or the other, that doesn't mean they both can't exist. Makes me think of two two questions to ask you with that. Um, one, why wasn't Donkey Kong sixty four like this? I was so fucking pumped for Donkey Kong sixty four because I love the Donkey Kong Country games. Those games were are damn near perfect for what they were, and it just the cameras were bad, the gameplay wasn't great. Uh, There's tons of problems with it. And like I said, Banjo Kazooie is super polished. the The story's good. The camera, compared to Donkey Kong sixty four, is immaculate. Because my God, the camera on Donkey Kong sixty four was a pain in the ass. Uh, wh- why? Why didn't that happen? <laughs> and uh, with that, why after two did what happened with the company or whatever, where they didn't get to make you know a true third? Yeah, so actually, I can explain that one fairly easy. Well, the first one, not so much. So I did look it up. Donkey Kong 64 came out after Banjo-Kazooie. If it came out before, I was going to say it died for our sins, and that's what gave life to Banjo, but that's not the case. I think it was just a case where they were trying to do a lot of stuff at once. They had, I mean, Rare was making a lot of games at that time. Uh, you know, Banjo, then they quickly made Banjo-Kazooie, which I think came out the year after DK64. They had um, Conker's Bad Fur Day and all that. Um, they had Diddy Kong Racing. like So good. Yeah, so good. They had a lot of good stuff, but I feel like DK64 just fell by the wayside. Maybe didn't have all their greatest people there. Maybe... I mean, they had a lot of good ideas with uh, the various Kongs having different movesets and... Uh, yeah, on paper, trying it to, great. Yeah, 
but might have been a case of they just sort of reached too far in certain situations and didn't allocate enough time for others, and it sucks. I mean, the game sucks, but it also sucks that it sucks, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's unfortunate that it wasn't fantastic, but um, I think it's just bound to happen when they're trying to put out so much stuff. But when it comes to why there was no Banjo 3E, because, you know, they teased a Banjo 3E, and later on there was even a teaser they posted that never went anywhere. Uh, it's because, and this is really the case, if you remember how I said how Nintendo does a lot of good stuff, but sometimes they don't? Yeah. Yeah, they didn't want to, they didn't want to, like, buy out Rare, and Rare needed to be bought out, I, I believe, uh, at the time. Or, or, or it was something like that, where it was a money issue, right? It was just, it was down to money. It might have been they just existed, and, and Microsoft wanted to buy them, and Nintendo didn't care, but Nintendo dropped the ball. Microsoft got Rare, and then did nothing. I will say Rare did make the Viva Piata games on Xbox, and apparently those are fantastic. I love those games. Yeah, um, so it's not like they did anything bad. They were also part of the Kinect games, and well, we that's a thing, but... We don't talk about the Kinect. <sighs> yeah, the but the point is, it was around... It was only like 2002, 2003 when Microsoft owned Rare, so it was only a few years after all these fantastic games. So you'd think... Yeah, they go from fantastic stuff, and sure, they have, they're have they owned by someone else, but more fantastic stuff, right? But that's not what happened, um, and eventually all the guys with um, Rare ended up leaving, and then they made their own game, which, hate to say it, but I don't like it. It's not good. Maybe the next one will be better. Uh, ukulele is bad. Uh, just going to throw that out there. But yeah, Rare these days is a shell of its former self. And they did make um, nuts and bolts, but it as a banjo game, it sucked. As a game game, it was pretty okay. Um, yeah, it's just I think it's just an unfortunate business thing in terms of how it, it fell apart. I believe it, what happened was after this, you know, um, Nintendo kept all the rights to Donkey Kong, or I think they kept the rights to Donkey Kong, but they didn't have the rights to King K. Rule, which is why his inclusion was interesting. Stuff like that. It's like. Just sometimes it's just business ends up being the main factor, um, which it sucks, but that's just how it is. Yeah. I kind of want to shift a little bit. So uh, on Twitch, you have started streaming uh, your practice for speedrunning Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, yeah. What kind of compelled you to decide to make, you know, that spe- obviously, like, I know you're a huge fan, but I, uh, first speedrun I saw you practice for that you ended up dropping was Tomb Raider. And, uh, yeah, well, I just want to. Okay, I'm just gonna throw this out yeah. there. I I I try out a lot of. I mean, I would consider this like a hobby. Mm-hmm. I try out a lot of hobbies and just give up on it. So I don't even know if I'm gonna like follow through long enough to even do a run of Benny Kazooie. But um, I like trying stuff. Uh, I I have speedrun in the past. Uh, I used to speedrun uh, or speedrun. Uh, I used to speedrun Infamous and Infamous Festival of Blood on the PS3. They're two very not. Nintendo games, uh, but they're a lot of fun because, like, if 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 you if anybody knows, um, Infamous is all about electric powers, like you're shooting electric bolts and uh, super fun games. For the record, it's super fun. Um, the movement is weird when you go back to it because it's all cl- uh, janky. But it came out around that time of Assassin's Creed where there's like parkour being like added to every character ever, and it just made it feel real good. But when it comes to the speedrun, it was like. It was very fluid. It felt good. You were, um, like, you could have a lot of explosions and, and action while also trying to, like, uh, 
sprint between uh you know buildings and uh all these jumps and like it just felt nice to play i think banjo is similar to that and it's what tomb raider was sort of lacking for me um banjo kazooie i've always loved i know it really well in terms of overarching things i i don't remember specific things that well like oh man um like recently because i had to replay it to set up a a, a glitch file for banjo kazooie I, I i have a lot of memories about it but like uh, when it comes to Banjo-Kazooie, it's like, for the speedrun, you have to learn very specific things. Like, for example, if, you're, if your shadow is over a slope for too long, the slope timer ticks down and you'll slide the second you touch it. But there's a glitch and you can, like, you could jump off that ledge if you're fast enough. And that's something you have to do to get up Ticker's Tower without being the termite. Something that's only possible in the 1.0 version of the game. Um... And that's a trick that you've learned very early on. And it's like, that's what I was practicing recently. And it's like, I I knew of that glitch because I made a glitch video a while back. Um, but actually being able to do it with like precision every time, it's difficult. Like speedrunning is fun uh, because you take these games, you know, and you get to l- learn them in a different way. And it feel like it really extends the longevity of the game. So that's one reason why Super 64 has been going on so long. Cause like there's so much to go through when it comes to speedrunning. It's like you get so much out of it with banjo. It's like, I, I was, I'm not good at banjo. Like I, I like banjo. I, I like playing it, but I'm not good at it. I die easily. If you die in the NC4 version, you lose your, your notes and your Jinjos and like, there's a lot of little stuff that's like, oh, wow, I'm surprised. I never even thought about how difficult it was uh, to do, you know, like, this certain thing before I tried speedrunning it. So it's, like, it's just a nice, fun way to, like, re-experience the game. I think that's what I wanted to do after I saw it at the most recent Games Done Quick event. Um, For uh, my big question about it is, you're, you know, you're talking about precision for all these movements you can't make any mistakes uh-huh. and you're trying to well yeah play against your uh, uh, your your own time more more than likely um but mm-hmm. at the very end you have the the game show and you said every all the questions were randomly you know kind of generated so can mm-hmm. that just throw off like all the stuff you learn and then you get a question that is just random and you get wrong and well is that gonna like kill your time do you have to worry about that every time um yes yeah, so two things first i want to say not technically, you don't actually have to do everything perfectly, but being able to do everything perfectly lends itself well to being able to improvise everything, if that makes sense. Yep. And improvisation, when you mess up a trick, that's where the real, that's where like the high level versus like new player, uh, that's where that comes through. But when it comes to the end of the game, actually the board game is trivial, sort of, because you don't actually play it normally. Um, you only go through... I'm trying to think, like, six spaces, or five spaces, and two of them are, like, honeycomb free spaces, because there is a glitch called, um, uh, Furnace Fun Skip. This most recent, most recent version was found by Ninpalk, I believe, but the point is, um, there are these squares on the board in which, if you answer them wrong, you die, and they could be any question, so technically there could be an issue there. If you get a minigame with that one, that's rough, um... Because the minigame ruins the glitch. But um, the grunty questions only has a chance to appear twice when you're doing this glitch. Because there's only that many squares. Um, so technically, it's not really that big of a deal. Okay. What you want to do with the glitch is... Um, with this most version is essentially... 
you activate, I think it's like Talon Trot as you slide into the thing so that you're like mid this weird animation. And like this being in this animation when you are supposed to die doesn't actually give you any momentum. So you just sort of, uh, you take damage and you don't get knocked into the lava. So instead of dying, you just stand there. So once the game thinks that you're dead, you're now freely able to run across the board and beat it. Um, so that, that furnace fun move or furnace fun skip uh, is a thing that used to be able to be done with a square that was like halfway through the board. So in that uh, situation, they had to use, there was actually a program made by someone. I don't know if his name off the top of my head, but he made a program that has a list of every single uh, Grunty question and you'd just guess. You just guess on every single one and you just input your answer. So it's like, all right, uh, her favorite uh, toothpaste is um, whale bulber. Ah, wrong. Okay, uh, hit wrong for that one, and it'll slowly tick down until it figures out exactly what uh, variation or exactly what seed you're on, and then it'll give you the right answers. So <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it used to be just guessing, or they could route in talking to Brentilda, but <coughs> um, it used to be just guessing, but now it's like, yeah, they have these tools to get around it. Um, and with the most recent skip, they, they barely even have to think about Grunty. Um, but yeah, I think it's really cool because it's like, yeah, that's, that's, there's so much with that, just that one sort of skip. It's like so much has changed with the game over time. It's really cool to see. I, I like um, listening to you talk about this, how like almost, and this might sound a little too sexy, but how intimate you get with a game that you love learning all these little things, like you said, and learning how to improvise within it and yeah. I also find it fascinating. People spend all this time finding these things, and like the like, I would never in a, in a million years think to do half the shit people do on these speedruns, and then to yeah. collect that information as a community and share it. Like the all of it's just fascinating to me. I think it's it's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, and it's not even like it's that's a yeah that aspect is really cool. But I will say it's not even unique to speedruns necessarily. Like, you are a fan of Halo. You, you mentioned you, you used to play it a lot, mm-hmm. right? Did you ever watch any of those Halo trick jumps uh, videos? I I, or... I did not. Oh, okay. So that's that that's your homework. Go look up some of those. They're finesse ones. Essentially, there's these crazy people that are like, hey, this shooty game is cool, but what if we threw a grenade in this corner to knock a crate into the air so we could jump off at midair and do this weird garbage? Uh, and they did that. So there's entire channels that are about like, uh, like montages of trick jumps. And it's like, who does that? People just get bored. They just want to play it. Um, I think that's how a lot of glitches are found. People just get getting bored. Sometimes I actually, during my practice, most recently for Banjo, I was trying to do the uh, jiggy jig skip. Every time Banjo gets all 10 jiggies in a world, he does a little jig, a little dance, um, and that takes up like eight, 10, 12 seconds something like that. And you want to skip that. So with the first world, you can skip it by doing a little trick where you jump into the water as you click the jiggy and by jumping in and out of the water, you then, um, skip it. Well, I messed that up. And when I tried getting the jiggy, I actually skipped it in a totally different way. It, it was a known glitch. It's not like I discovered anything new, but I unintentionally did an entirely different glitch by jumping out of the water without fluttering and landing on the jiggy without touching the ground. And I mean, I, I know of the game, but like just sometimes stuff happens and sometimes you just experience random ass glitches. And I think people's key thing here is like, 
you probably had it yourself where like you experience this weird ass thing in a game. You're like, I, I got to share that. That was so weird. Some people share garbage stuff. Like D- D- I got Luigi in Super Mario 64. Like, cause they're yeah, like, yeah. they're trolls. Yeah. But a, a lot of times it's like, I, wh- what was that? I jumped in Halo and I hit this crack and I flew into the air. Like there's the whole, there's a bunch of glitches where you could uh, moon jump or not moon jump, but you can super jump. Um, just by hitting weird collision. Um, and it's like, yeah, just like people experience weird stuff. And like, I think if enough people do that and connect it to the power of the internet, they're bound to find correlations. Like, wow, all 10 of us managed to get this weird moon jump every time we hit that crack. Maybe there's something with collision. Someone goes, oh, that's cool. I'm going to try that in this other place. And they do. And then you have a speedrun community figuring out these glitches. Um... So, yeah, it, it seems very difficult at first for, like, how the hell do they figure this out? How do you even practice this? But it's, like, you just learn it a little bit, bit by bit. You share information. Um, if something weird happens, it's quite possible someone else found it. They might have found it, like, slightly different. And if you can find the correlation, then uh, you can find, the like, the cause of that. And then once you know the cause and effect, you can sort of implement it other places. So, you know? So, yeah, and... My uh, kind of noob question to that is, when you do these speed runs, are mm-hmm. the rules about the ones you use? So I know, like, with Mario 64, a lot of people use, you know, ROM hack versions of the game. Or do you sure. have to... And you said, like, their different glitches are there or gone based off of if it's the N64 cartridge or Xbox One. H- how does the community agree upon the... Or do they even agree upon which ones you can use yeah. to do the speed runs? So- it changes per community because each game essentially has its own community. Some games, some series have like overlapping, like Zelda. You know, all the Zeldas tend to group together because there's a lot of stuff that can be shared back and forth. Um, but when it comes to each individual community, it's up to their members to figure it out. But at the end of the day, when you're speedrunning, there's a, now the, there's official speedrun boards and you know these events and all that. But like at the end of the day, it's just person A trying to play the game and person B trying to play the game. So they have to agree upon it. So they go, Hey, uh, if you're going to use that glitch, then I should be able to use that glitch. Like, all right, sure. Well then we should call that a category. So they call it the any percent category where you could use anything. So the standards usually are any percent is absolutely anything. hundred uh, percent is collect hundred percent. And how they decide that is up to them with Banjo Kazooie. For example, Mumbo tokens aren't actually part of it because on the collection screen, it's a platformer collectathon. In the collection screen, mobile tokens aren't shown, so they just don't count them. Um, it's just little things like that where they just decide upon it. Usually, it's about what makes the most sense, what's most um, standard. Like there is in Super 64, somewhat recently, there was an upwarp found where you. It was in TikTok Clock, um, and I think they decided it was a weird cartridge tilting sort of weirdness where a piece of RAM, or, like, a bit of RAM got messed up, and Mario warped upwards in TikTok clock, skipping a bunch of jumps. And that would have been fantastic for the speedrun, or for the, you know, the A button challenge, but they could never figure it out. So they decided, well, that's just not a valid trick. So if it happens, that's cool, but that invalidates your run. So, like, little, I mean, at least that's my understanding of that. So it comes down to individual basis, but, um, you know, at this point, a lot of, games tend to have a similar sort of outlooks on it. Like if it's consistent, it should be allowed. Uh, if it breaks the game apart, then make it a different category. 
So obviously the wrong warp in Ocarina of Time lets you skip from Kakariko Village all the way to the end of the game. That cuts out hours upon the run, so they'd have that as a different category. Um, when it comes to versions, uh, the N64 version, the 1.0 cart isn't that hard to get, so they just say, hey, use it if you can, but if you can't, oh well. It's not actually that big of a deal. You might lose some time, but it's not as game-breaking as some PC games. Their 1.0 versions have glitches that literally just don't work in the later versions, so everyone has to downpatch the games. Um, and sometimes that's not possible, like on Switch, it's very hard, so they have different categories for 1.0 versus 1. whatever. Um, so the answer is, it's very complicated and it changes depending on the game, <laughs> but when you break it down, it's not that crazy. Um, and it's a lot of just sort of people like discussing back and forth and there is sometimes drama that appears cause it's like, well, some, sometimes the top runners don't agree with like other people or sometimes just a few people want this. And it's like, for example, Pokemon not long ago, I believe Pokemon was actually being timed, uh, with in-game time, and they swapped uh, real-time, or something, or vice versa, but the point is, they changed how the timings were, so they had to in invalidate some old runs, and that caused a lot of drama, because, like, how are you going to invalidate these runs, make it a new category, but, no, we can't make it a new category, because then this and that, and it gets real complicated. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, but um, I don't have a good answer. <laughs> I hope that suffices no it made sense and i think the breaking it down and how the categories work actually makes a lot of sense it makes it um you know it's just the way if you deal with things being different you just add a category i mean it's pretty simple it makes sense to me yeah some games are flexible enough that you could actually have entire wildly different categories and make the, the game feel totally different like at this point ocarina of time has been broken enough that they can do the dungeons all out of order, or not all out of order, but like really out of order. Same with Majora's Mask. You in any percent run at this point, or no, in the hundred percent run, you don't do any of the uh, dungeon in the correct order. It's literally, uh, I think it's like you do, you know, the second one first, the third one second, or no, the, th the third one last, the fourth one second, and the first one third, or something like that. Um, so at this point, they can make categories. So for Ocarina of Time, there's a category where you do all medallions. And that forces you to play through a good deal of the game, get a bunch of stuff. But there's also 100%, where you have to still do all that stuff, but because there's so much more to collect, it really changes up the route. And what you get is you can have, like I think, up to four different experiences with the game through these different categories. So if you watch someone's on any percent, that's a real quick run. It's very susceptible to failure because it's just these tricks that could be messed up. But it's very flashy and very cool. You know, the uh, the All Medallions or whatever, that one is a fun watch. It's not too long, but uh, a lot of good stuff. 100%. It's much, I think it's, uh, if I'm remembering right, it's, it's like a longer, but you get to experience more of the game, you see more of the characters, all that stuff. Like, th having these new different categories really lends itself well to experiencing the game in different ways. So, for example, some people, I think as a meme, made a category for Magic Kazooie where you rush your way to the sandcastle do the cheats and then beat the game because <laughs> yeah because like why not it's like okay sure um and, and also ocarina of time because i know this for some reason has a category called uh i think it's called weed percent where so there's a glitch where you can play items as an ocarina when you're not supposed to one of the items being a stick 
So you speed run through the game. It's like 20 minutes or something. Until you get to the point where you can get a stick, play his ocarina after lighting it, so you're essentially holding a very long <laughs> stick-like thing with a light at the end. And it looks like a blunt, so it's weed percent. That That's uh, fucking amazing. And pointless. Yeah, that, yeah, it is pointless, and that might not be the right name for the category, but the point is, it's like, you could, as long as you agree on it, and it's possible, you could do all kinds of stuff with these games. And I think that's what's really, really fun. And obviously... That's not even getting into, in recent time, um, randomizers has really taken off. So you have, you know, Ocarina of Time, you have, at this point, Wind Waker. I don't think Wind Waker has done as much in terms of speedruns, but, you know, Ocarina of Time, uh, A Link to the Past, uh, Metroid, I'm blanking, Super Metroid, and then Super Metroid combined with Link to the Past, where you randomize both of them. Or you could do co-op where you're both playing the same seed to try to work together. There's so much you could do with these games, and it's crazy. Uh, and 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 that's like a infinite <laughs> horizons beyond uh, just speedrunning. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just all about playing the game in different ways. It's really cool. That's yeah. That makes me want to watch more than just the casual thing. I like that there's so much potential in you know keeping games that people love. Alive and fresh. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, we obviously disagree on Mario, but I love almost every Mario game. So to see speedruns of all the different ones makes me happy. Yeah, and, I will say, just because I don't like 64 that much doesn't mean I don't like the games. I mean... <laughs> I, know, I just like giving you there, shit. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, but yeah, I think that's... <clears throat> I think that's, that's the thing with, uh, you know, Banjo coming back... I think it just lends itself, you know, you know, we could have more of the game in the future, but also, if he's coming back, there's more people, like, just from Games Done Quick alone, um, I, I've been seeing a bunch of people show up into the Discord for Banjo-Kazooie, and like, oh, I want to play, and it's possible that some might lose interest, or some might not fall through to actually speedrun it, but every new person is one more person that could find a glitch, every new person is someone who can change the way you see the game usually in a positive way right um and i think it's really cool because it's like it's just get on in here i want you to jump on that crack as well and let's see what happens and it's like just like it's really nice because um games are fun solo they're fun together but like when it comes to speedrunning, you're solo together and it's i think it's neat yeah it's you can't have a community without people and yeah i like that you said they may not all stick around, but the few yeah. that do, you have new friends that you're you're sharing a something something that's super special to you, and that's all. I mean, we're human. That's kind of what we're built for, anyway. Yeah, and above all, I think it's important to remember that with Banjo coming back, that means I have more reason to cover Banjo for content. And that's easy views, and I like that, so it works. And I'm, and I'm excited for you, because you can tell that you're enjoying it when you do cover Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. I've told myself, anytime I can make Banjo-Kazooie into a new series, that series will then prosper. Easter eggs, start with Banjo. Glitches didn't start with Banjo, but it was like soon after, so it basically counts. Your, so yeah. your first uh, challenge video was Banjo-Kazooie, right? Uh-huh, yeah. The, the jumps, um, right? That was the, how many? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was minimal jumps in Banjo-Kazooie. But yeah, I I love the game. Anytime I could go back to a game I like, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah. All right. 
Well, I think that seems like a good place to end today. Uh, where can people find you at? I am on YouTube at Deephead Gamer. Uh, well, I'm I'm Deephead Gamer on YouTube and on Twitter. You can find me at Deephead Gamer. That's basically that. And for Damage Boost, you can find it on Twitter at Damage Boost Pod and Twitch, which I will be streaming Dead by Daylight at least once a week uh, for the foreseeable future at Damage Boost Podcast. So, uh, yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, be good people.